We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome, Bears fans, to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman. And of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, UCA Koshal. We recorded this episode on January 12th. Uh, it's a Thursday here late in the week as um, we took a break last week following uh, the end of the season. But, um, you know, it's, oof, man, a lot has gone on over the last uh, week or so as uh, the Bears 2022 season comes to an end. Um, they finished the season with a 3-14 and record, you say it. And um, surprisingly, um, it, it, after a wild wild chain of events in the Houston Texans and Indianapolis Colts game uh, in the week 18 matchup. Uh, The bears now find themselves with the first overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. So in many ways, I mean, we're going to talk about it a lot on on this podcast today. It's kind of of the main focus is looking back at this year. Um, But in in many ways you said, I mean, did, did Ryan Poles and, and Matt Eberflus like have the perfect tank season? Because it feels like they had the perfect tank season. If that was this was their goal all along. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's tough to say, right? Because you look at the way that the Bears played this year in certain games. They went through a stretch where the offense basically averaged thirty points a game, which again was from like week seven to I think eleven. They certainly hung in there with a lot of teams that they should not have hung in there with. But then there were also instances where you're looking at a defense that's being picked apart, only 20 sacks on the season, which I believe is an NFL low. And then a secondary that held up well, but also dealt with a lot of nagging injuries throughout the year. And then you combine that with some of the more experienced players on the roster, like in Eddie Jackson or Darnell Mooney going down and having season ending injuries. You could make the argument that the Bears tanked, but I don't think they really ever did because this team showed too much potential this season. And if we're going to be quite honest, I mean, 
the Bears have been tanking since 1985, okay? And I've been very critical of this team and this franchise, but it's like they can't seemingly get it right. And so it would actually be a major disservice to your star quarterback, who, again, a lot of people around the NFL believe Justin is one of the next big superstars at the quarterback position in the NFL because of what he showcased. But the reality of the situation is that it would be a disservice to him if you're going to go ahead and basically throw the season away. Now, regarding the first overall pick, I mean, if we're going to be honest about it, the Bears have been trending towards top three picks since probably late November, okay? There was no doubt in my mind that this was a team that was going to come around at some point, and they were basically going to say, hey, you know what? We know we don't have the means and resources to necessarily go ahead and beat some of the best teams each week, but we have the resources that we need in order to at least play hard, which again, the biggest resource in that was coaching. And we'll talk about Eberflus today, but number one overall pick. It's crazy because it's been like 70 something years since the Bears have had the number one overall pick. Last time was 1947. It's only the, I think, third time in 72 and 2017 that the Bears have had like a top three pick in the draft. But the reality, I think, of all this is that the greater significance, right? Isn't even the fact that the bears have a top three pick. It's really how they plan to utilize that pick and how they use it as leverage going into this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, the work begins now for this front office and this, uh, this new regime, basically, because we knew that this year was going to be a little bit rough. They were a little bit tight on resources in terms of how they could, you know, maneuver around improving the roster. Um, and we're going to get into like how we think Ryan Poles and Eberflus did in their first season. Uh, certainly there were a lot of positives. There were a lot of negatives as well. I think that we can get into, but I mean, truly you can never truly judge a GM, especially um, after one season, you have to give these guys time to kind of uh, complete their vision of the roster. And the same goes for head coach as well. But I mean, we're going to do what we can to evaluate what they did this season as much as we can this pro- podcast. But yeah, let's talk about that. The Bears getting the first overall pick first in, in this podcast today. And, you know, for those that were following, um, you know, uh, all the events that went down on Sunday, obviously the Bears losing to the Vikings. Uh, we kind of knew that was going to be a given when, you know, Justin Fields is out with an injury. Uh, you're starting Nathan Peterman. Uh, Tim Boyle gets significant snaps. I mean, I swear, <clears throat> like they had to have thrown him in knowing that he was going to throw interceptions out there because like he was, he was brutal out there. And, you know, I was at the game um, on Sunday and it was, it was a really wild um, scene after the game because typically, um, you know, there's like a little bit of a lag time uh, between the time that the game ends and the time that the media is allowed to go into the locker room and talk to the players and whatnot. So um, what was funny is, after the game ends, basically for the Bears game, um, you know, a lot of us up there in the press got, press box, we ended up going. Uh, they had all the TVs on, and they had the Colts and Houston Texans game going on as that game was finishing up. Houston was starting its final drive, um, I think, at the time that the Bears game was ending. So a lot of us ended up staying up in the box, just watching the end of that game, and it was a pretty wild scene to see. You know, Davis Mills on fourth and twenty throw a long touchdown pass to put them in a position to tie the game. And then Lovey Smith making the bold decision to go for two in that scenario uh, and to win that game. I mean, just um, absolutely wild stuff. 
and you know the, the follow that all as it was going down, which was crazy, um, because they you know for the Bears prospects that get in the first overall pick, I mean the Houston Texans had to win that game, um, and for that game to end like that was just absolute insanity. Um, but you know, with that said, now we've moved on from that. We're into the offseason now for the Bears, and the reality is here the Bears have the number one pick, and I think all eyes are going to be on what the Bears do now with that resource, like you said, um, because realistically you look at where the Bears are positioned at from a resource standpoint. Like, yeah, last year they didn't have a ton to work with. This year I think there's no excuses for what Ryan Poles is going to be able to pull off this offseason. Like he has to um, make sweeping changes to this roster this year because he – really controls both main aspects of, um, you know, team building here in the off season. He controls free agency because the bears have like twice as much cap space as any team in the NFL um, this year. I mean, they have a ton of holes to fill obviously, but they have the cap space to where if they want a player um, they're going to be able to outbid any team for that player um, on the market. And then from a draft standpoint, they control the draft now because they have the number one overall pick and there are a ton of quarterback need teams in the top 10 that I'm sure are going to be looking to trade up for that pick or, or at least going to be, you know, sniffing around to see if they can trade up for that pick. So, you know, Ryan Poles, he has all the cards this offseason on how he wants to build this team in his image. Um, and that does, that, that does lead to some exciting possibilities here because, you know, there's just – your your imagination kind of runs rampant on what you know the Bears can possibly accomplish here over the next few months. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of scenarios out there, you know, and I, I think it's weird because I don't think we've had this exciting of a Bears all season in a long time. I mean, I would argue that than 2018 ever was and or at least the 2018 offseason and the reason is because you know the Bears didn't necessarily have they had the money and they had the first round pick they had the resources but they didn't necessarily have a quarterback under center who was the caliber of a guy like Justin Fields like Trubisky obviously had all the potential in the world but he was never anywhere as good even in college as Justin Fields was and yeah we're going to compare quarterbacks here just because it's important to understand team situations and team dynamics but for Ryan Poles right the pressure is on him more so than anybody I think because he walked into a situation where the quarterback was already in place. And this is something that I've held true to going back to when Poles was hired in terms of he was hired about a year ago. And the big thing with him is that if you look at all the general managers and head coaches that were hired last year, Poles was the only one you could confidently say walked into a situation where the quarterback was in place. And so one of the big pieces of significance regarding that is we're probably not going to have to see Poles evaluate a quarterback in Chicago simply because the previous regime left him over with one. And so for him this year, right, it's not just going to be, hey, just hand out these fat contracts, right? There's going to be instances where – you're going to have to pay for players, obviously, in free agency. 
but then you're going to have to pay a bit more than you may like as a general manager to bring in somebody that fits your scheme. Because, again, this is one of the things with polls last year, right? The Bears were in on these guys like DJ Chark, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Christian Kirk. And, again, I understand Kirk went for $17 million, but he had a phenomenal season in Jacksonville. I understand DJ Chark went for $10 million and Juju Smith-Schuster for $8 million. If we're going to be honest, Chark and Sh- Juju Smith's contracts were pretty much pennies compared to the way the wide receiver market has exploded. And so for Ryan Poles this year, he's going to have to kind of be a bit more aggressive and step outside the box. Otherwise, players are going to look at this and say, hey, listen, I'm a free agent. While everything about Chicago intrigues me, I'm trying to get paid and your money doesn't intrigue me. And I should also mention positions that are needs for the Bears like an offensive line or a wide receiver and free agency. Okay. You're even linebacker. The bears are going to end up having to overpay some of those guys because you're going to have players like, you know, in Orlando Brown jr. Who I think is phenomenal by the way, but he's going to want more and teams are going to give it to him anyway. Cause they're going to want that book and offensive tackle. Sports betting continues to take over the sports world, and with fall right around the corner, there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own TVs. If you're like me, you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can. Our friends at Oz Trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web, all in one place just for you. As an added bonus, OddsTrader even compares the sign-up codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best sign-up codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com slash bluewire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com slash bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like the pressure is on Ryan Poles to deliver here. And I think the reason why there is a lot of pressure is because of Justin Fields and the quarterback situation. Like, um, you know, it, it is, it is weird because, you know, you do feel good that the bears have their franchise quarterback here with fields. And I know there's been a lot of talk over the last week or so that, you know, because the bears have the number one, number one overall pick yet, they're going to explore, um, you know, quarterbacks at the top of the draft. And like, you know, Ryan Pohl said it in his press conference. And I mean, you can take any word that a GM says publicly with a grain of salt. Um, but he basically said that like, you know, we wouldn't be doing our jobs essentially if we didn't evaluate, every single player in this draft and we would have to be blown away because of the way that Justin performed this, this past year. But I mean, the question marks around Justin Fields from some people in, um, you know, the blogosphere or media sphere or whatever, um, you know, it kind of comes as a result of the situation that Justin Fields was put in this year and kind of how that impact his performance. And I think that's a good way to kind of transition to, you know, instead of looking to the future, looking back at this past season for Ryan Poles and at Eberflus, to see how they they did in putting together, um, you know, this this team this season and, and how they performed. So I think there are a couple of ways that we can kind of break this down um, for evaluating these guys. Um, and 
you know, with Ryan Poles, I think we can kind of split it into a, a couple of different facets. First, looking at his free agency decisions and, you know, if he made any impact signings in that department, looking at the way he did in the, you know, his draft and how that did and, you know, kind of evaluating his overall approach towards, you know, this year and long-term, how that thinks, how we think that kind of sets this team up for future success. And with Eberflus, I mean, we can kind of get into that as well. So, um, I mean, let's kind of start with the free agency part aspect of Ryan Poles and how he did this year, because, you know, that was kind of, uh, I, I feel like the free agency part of it was kind of polarizing for Poles because, you know, if, you, if we go back to it and we've talked about it a ton over the course of, you know, last off season, but, you know, of course, like the first main thing on the first day of free agency was, you know, the Larry Ogunjobi signing and how that kind of fell through. And that kind of set the tone, I think, for the Bears in free agency where they just weren't able to get a lot of big names in here. Obviously, they didn't have a ton of money to work with. But, um, you know, it seemed like whenever like a big you know name in the trade market came up, like such as like Amari Cooper, it seemed like the Bears were, you know, kind of in the mix there, but couldn't get a deal done. Um, you know, free agency. Um, they ended up, you know, settling for a lot of guys on short one, one year, two year, you know, really cheap contracts once the Larry Ogunjobi deal fell through. Um, and, you know, you know, some of the big signings, obviously Justin Jones to the tackle, you know, Lucas Patrick, uh, I'm blanking here, By- Byron Pingle at wide receiver, um, a couple other names, Al-Kadi Muhammad is kind of one of the bigger ones, Nicholas Morrow at linebacker, a lot of like one year contracts a lot of stop gaps a lot of guys that they just took flyers on here um to just kind of bring in see what they have you know build a culture a little bit um but we're looking at this thing long term here you know do you think that any of these guys have kind of established themselves as long-term pieces here because ultimately like you're signing to these guys especially the ones that were signed on two-year deals like you obviously would it, it, it would be nice for them to be kind of you know, leadership pieces for this year to kind of kickstart the rebuild. But ultimately you're signing a lot of these guys who are younger players to be pieces for you moving forward. Um, for me personally, you say it, I'm, I'm not sure if anybody in this free agency class for the bears really established themselves as, you know, kind of long-term pieces here. I mean, if I had to pick somebody, I would say that the one guy who intrigues me the most and is someone I think that can perform better when the Bears ultimately do overhaul the defensive line this offseason would be better than Justin Jones. I spoke to Justin a couple weeks ago. I think it was right after that Christmas Eve game against the Bills, and it was clear that post game, like he was frustrated, right? He was kind of frustrated with the way the season's gone. He was frustrated in terms of, hey, listen, you know, we don't get the job done. It's not just one guy who's got to go ahead and stop the run. It's all 11 guys on defense have to be dialed in and doing so. And so that right there shows that Justin Jones is very much a player that this regime values and wants around. Now, The key thing to understand is this. Was he kind of a plan B for the Bears? Yes, he was. Highly of Matt Eberflus during his time with the free agent visits saying, oh, I was going to sign with the Colts, and all of a sudden here came Matt Eberflus calling me at midnight convincing me to sign in Chicago. Yeah, so I would say Justin Jones is one. I look at some of the other names. None of these wide receivers should be back. Like I understand Equinemius St. Brown signed an extension, but – Again, I mean, you're primarily signing St. Brown because you didn't really have a lot of receivers, and 
going into training camp in 2023. He should probably be a wide receiver four or five. He should be on the bubble. Byron Pringle should not be back. He just can't stay healthy. Nikhil Harry, I think that you took a seventh round flyer on him, but he hasn't really proven much of anything. I look at a guy such as... Uh, Nicholas Morrow, well, guess what? He's someone who has had durability issues in the past. He missed all of 2021 with an ankle injury. Not really somebody you want back. But again, the Bears might just bring some of these guys like Nick Morrow back, specifically because they are familiar with the defense and familiar with the scheme as well as the locker room. So Chicago's in this weird situation where going out and signing a lot of these guys on one year or two year deals kind of help plug some holes short term but at least that's what Ryan Poles was thinking but it really didn't have much of an impact and last thing I'll say is this you know Alquadine Muhammad I think at a career high seven sacks in 2021 he's not necessarily a player that you want back at this point because number one he didn't really do much the Bears should have been smarter and just given Dominique Robinson the reps towards the end of the year. Anyway, after it was clear, Muhammad just got the job done. And number two, he ended up here in Chicago specifically because of his familiarity with Matt Eberflus, which I understand the thought process behind signing players that have played for you or your coaches in the past, but that should not be a dictating factor as to how you operate in free agency, specifically because Talent triumphs familiarity. Yeah, I think for this year in particular, like I felt like it made a lot of sense to go with the familiarity approach um, in a lot of these signs because, like, the Bears just weren't in a position in a position to really splurge on a ton of big name free agents. Like, I think they could have certainly done more, and I'll I'll kind of get to it in a little bit here, but you know. You know, the signings of a guy like Lucas Patrick, who was familiar with Luke Getzey in Green Bay, it made, you know, a lot of sense to me. Um, Byron Pringle and his connection to, to Ryan Poles in Kansas City made a lot of sense to me. al Kadi Muhammad and his connection with Matt Eberflus, bringing him in on a short-term deal. You know, all those moves make a ton of sense to me. And in a vacuum, I don't think those are bad moves from a process san- standpoint. Certainly, I think Ryan Poles, besides the Oak and Joby deal, I think was fine from a process standpoint. Me personally, I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more investment on the offensive side of the ball, like the offensive line. Uh, there were some good options at offensive line in free agency, and they just they they didn't really they, they didn't seem too aggressive to address that unit. Now, obviously, you can't force any player to sign with you outside of maybe just you know continue to hand, like just hand them a bag and say, hey, we'll pay you more than the other guy, so come sign here and play here. You know, the Bears weren't in a position to really do that, like Jacksonville was. So, I mean, I get it. Um, but at the same time, I would have liked to see a little bit more aggressiveness in terms of upgrading the offensive line a little bit, reshaping that unit in free agency, you know, maybe adding another weapon in the, in the, in the passing game at wide receiver. You know, there were some wide receivers available in free agency that I think they could have taken a chance on. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate they weren't able to convince anybody to, to come in and play for them or didn't have the money to come in and pay anybody for that. But I mean, Ryan Poles, you know, there was a whole storyline again when the Ogunjobi deal fell through that Ryan Poles kind of mentioned, I think it was like in his pre-draft press conference that, you know, that deal falling through did prevent them from making other moves in the first few days of free agency because they had that money kind of locked up in that deal before, you know, he eventually failed the physical. So I wonder if that kind of played a role in that. Um, But, you know, certainly – 
you know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to, you know, try to make too much of, you know, the free agent, the free agency period. It was very underwhelming to say the least um, because of the lack of focus on the offensive side of the ball and the fact that they just didn't have the resources to do much. But, you know, like I said, I mean, it just goes into that. Like the bears just didn't have a ton of work with um, from a free agency standpoint last year, but that kind of leads us into the draft because I think the draft, (coughs) excuse me, uh, the draft is where I think Ryan Pohl has got the most of his impact um, from this past offseason. Now, obviously, the two second-round picks, getting Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker in there, adding some um, resources to the secondary. Um, in the third round, Velas Jones Jr. And then on day three, trading back all those times, getting multiple draft picks and you know getting guys such as Braxton Jones, Dominique Robinson, um, Punter Trenton Gill, um, just to name a few guys, um, and some other – some other additions that, you know, we'll just have to wait and see if they work out or not. Um, at, at the end of the day, they're, they're day three picks. It usually takes a few years for um, us to get any real evaluations on some of these players. Um, so with that in mind, um, you know, you say looking at Ryan Pohl's first draft, you know, how would you say that, you know, he did here um, in his, in his first go around here, despite the fact that he didn't have a first round pick and was kind of light on draft capital in general. Well, I think he surpassed expectations. All right. You look at a team that didn't have a first round pick. They had two second round picks, a third round pick and a handful of picks on day three. And look, we're going to be honest about something. Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, two rookie DBs that the bears drafted in 2022. They should have been first-round picks, but they slipped all the way to round two, specifically because that back half of round one, after the Eagles and Titans made that trade for A.J. Brown, and then the Titans acquired Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas, essentially what happened is this is there was this major run on wide receivers, which, again, effectively pushed all these other positions down. Now, with that being said, you look at this rookie class and you kind of say hey Gordon Brisker they're going to be instant hits in this league for the Bears you look at Braxton Jones he was good at times he was bad at times so he had a pretty solid year overall for a player that's a fifth round rookie but the question is can he get better as a protector and just become a well-rounded offensive lineman and learn to use his athleticism and fit it to his growing frame and skill set Bayless Jones Jr was about as polarizing as it gets. We ripped into him plenty on this podcast. I look at a guy like a Tristan Ebner, not really impressed. He was just, again, a return guy on special teams. Dominique Robinson, another one who's a major project player. The Bears drafted Robinson, knowing his background, playing quarterback and wide receiver at Miami of Ohio before he switched over to pass rusher. He had some flashes, but he wasn't necessarily, you know, off the charts by any means. You look at some of these other guys like Doug Kramer, Zach Thomas, well, they never really saw a meaningful snap same with Jatir Carter so anytime you can get three starters without having a first round pick in a draft class including a rookie left tackle and those guys can start for the entire year it's a solid start overall to the rebuilding of the roster but again it's not quite enough and Again, I say it's not quite enough because you have your reservations, right? Jaquan Brisker needs to get better as a tackler. I mean, 
he had like a 6.53 missed tackle percentage rate, according to pro football reference. You look at the slot cornerback position. Well, he additionally have found good starting slot corners in the third, fourth, fifth round, right? Having Kyler Gordon, a second round pick starting in the slot is in a way a bad look because I understand the bears want to train him, but you could also train him to play multiple different positions like inside and outside, but he spent most of his time in the slot. And I think it's more than fair to argue that a second round pick for, especially what was a top 10 second round pick for a guy that's going to end up being a slot corner was in a way, a bit of an overpay. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, there were certainly a lot of questions for this draft approach on draft night. Like a lot of a lot of Bears fans, especially yours truly, was not happy that they didn't address offense more on day two, especially in the second round, you know, with wide receivers available, like George Pickens was available. I think he was probably tops on a lot of Bears fans boards um, for drafting him in the second round, um, you know, especially after they went defense back to back. But, I mean, you look at those picks in hindsight here, like Gordon, I think the jury is still out on him. Um, you know, overall, I'd say his rookie season was pretty rough, um, even for rookie cornerback standards. Um, but I thought he got better as the season went along. He certainly flashed, especially in the last month or so. Had a couple of really nice, solid games. Um, against some quality competition, too. I, hate, I think he had that one game against the Eagles where he was pretty dang good. Uh, that was the game that I was there for. So, um, you know, Gordon, he, he's flash. He's a talented player. I, I think with cornerbacks, it does take them a year or two to kind of get, you know, used to the NFL game. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see how he does. I thought Brisker did hit the ground running pretty quickly, though. I think, you know, you feel pretty good about Brisker uh, going forward here. I'm not sure what his ceiling is at this point, but – I said at the time that I feel pretty confident he's going to be a solid starter in the NFL at the very least. And he, he showed that this first year, like he was, he was pretty dang good as a rookie, you know, Vils Jones jr. <laughs> we, we all like bagged on that pick at the time and it still doesn't look good in hindsight. I will say this for him. He did show some flashes, I think late in the year as a returner and as a gadget guy, the last game against the Vikings, you know, I thought it was one of his better games of the season from overall impact standpoint, he had that long touchdown run in that game. You know, he had a nice back shoulder catch in that game. So, you know, you're hoping that, you know, Vilas Jones can kind of build off of that to next year. My hopes aren't high. You know, he's, he's an older player. He's going to be 26 years old next year. 
uh, I, I think 26 years old. I'll, I'll have to look at that again. I mean, I mean, sh- shoot, man, he's again older prospects. So you know, there's just not as t- a ton of, you know, theoretically a ton of upside there. He's kind of you know what is what he is at this point. You know, for them to spend a third round pick on basically what's going to be a special team or gadget guy, you know, it's disappointing when there were some legitimate talent on the board at the time, like Abraham Lucas, a right tackle who's starting for uh, the Seahawks. You know, Bernard Raymond was still on the board who looks like he's going to be a solid left tackle for the Colts at this point. There are some other wide receivers that I like better than Vilas Jones, to be quite honest with you. Zach Tom um, was available. He went, he was available all the way into the fourth round, you know, tackle for the Packers. So, you know, that, that one always felt like a bit of a reach for me. It felt like one of those picks where, you know, Ryan Poles kind of panicked a little bit where he had to address wide receiver, he felt like, and he just reached on a guy and they went for a guy that had a, you know, a nice physical profile that they liked with Bill Jones, you know, kind of a, I wouldn't say a big fast guy, but, you know, he's kind of got like that size speed profile that you're kind of, you know, looking for in a lab, basically. It's kind of a short stocky guy um, that has burner speed. Um, but day three, um, again, I think Braxton Jones to get a, a left tackle to play as well as he did for the most part and the fifth round, like that's pretty impressive right there to f- get that find. Um, you know, a lot of, I, I'm not sure if Jones is going to be a long-term starter for this team at left tackle, but I, I think you have to give him a few years. It takes tackles like three years basically to break out. So uh, a Jones definitely impressed me, um, especially where his draft status was. He was a guy that I was, I was a fan of as a sleeper. Um, going back to that draft class, and he exceeded all my expectations. You know, pass protection, like you said, is a, is a bit rough right now. Um, so, I mean, he's going to have to work on that. His anchor especially has to get better. But I think the building blocks are there for him to be, you know, a solid player in this league. And uh, Dominic Robinson, I think he's the other notable pick in on day three. Um, you know, he flashed early that first game against the 49ers where he had two sacks, and you're looking at him saying, oh, you know, who's this guy? He might have some, some potential here. I mean, I, I, I felt like he quickly fizzled out those years gone on, even when he got more snaps near the end of the season, just never able to replicate that. And, and he was always expected to be a project anyway. So we'll just have to see how Robinson does in the, um, you know, the next few years or so, if he can develop, but, you know, I, I do want to mention this draft class for one more thing. And that's um, PFF. They had their NFL all rookie team out there and the bears had three representatives in PFF's NFL all-rookie team. That was Braxton Jones, Jaquan Brisker, and Jack Sanborn as a UDFA. So Jack Sanborn getting some playing time late in the season after the Bears trade Roquan Smith. Um, he's another guy we got to mention as well because even though he wasn't drafted, he's technically still part of this draft class because he was a find in the UDFA process. process. So um, got to sh- give some love to Jack Sanborn. Um, so that, that was just another nice find by Ryan Poles. And over, so overall, I mean, you can see here, you know, some of the building blocks on this team. Uh, I think you feel pretty good about Jones, Brisker, you know, Gordon as potential, you know, long-term stars for you. And even getting a guy like Jack Sanborn, if he can continue to develop here, uh, that's four potential starters for you in your first draft. And, you know, I, I got to say, when you look at it from that perspective, um, you know, not, not terrible work from Ryan Poles in his first draft with the lack of resources that he had. Um, so the final thing on Poles that we can kind of evaluate him on, you say it is the overall approach here. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, were, was his process, you know, you know, a quality process for where the team was at. And what I mean by that was, you know, when he took the job, the bears were kind of approaching cap hell. They had a lot of older expensive players, um, 
you know, they're kind of working their way out of this, you know, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace era where a lot of the veterans were either free agents or approaching free agency or, you know, on big contracts on the end of those big contracts. Um, and basically Ryan Poles, you know, eating a ton of dead money to get rid of those guys and get in his own players here and set the bears up for future success. Obviously the big domino, the first big move was trading Khalil Mack for a second round pick. And then later on, you know, at the trade deadline, trading uh, guys like Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn, getting extra draft capital in next year's draft. Um, and the Bears, as we sit here right now, are set up with about $100 million in cap space for next season. Uh, they have the first overall pick in the NFL draft. And, you know, they have some building blocks here, you know, that you can kind of surmise that you can work with here. Just when you consider everything you say, do you think Ryan Poles, you know, had the right idea this offseason? Do you think he set this team up for long-term success with the way that he handled things this past year? Yeah, you know, this, I think it's interesting, right? Because I I wouldn't necessarily say I was a major fan of some of the things that Poles did. This team... Or you could argue, for a matter of fact, like what Eberflus did. But with where this team is at, right, they, I think, still surpassed expectations in a lot of ways, right? Because so many people were kind of counting on them to play in games where it was just going to be a complete blowout against, like, the Eagles, for example. And here the Bears were only losing by five points. And when we look at Eberflus overall, right, he's, he, he's interesting because every time we've heard him speak, whether it's training camp or whether it is in the um, post-game press conferences, Flus kind of has this sort of vibe to him that we haven't really seen from a Bears coach since probably the Lovey Smith days, right? In the sense that he's always kind of friendly. He's always players first, which is kind of the mentality that you need, but he always drops these little nuggets like, Hey, when it comes to responding, it's not just about how do you respond to adversity? It's how you also respond to when you're successful. Right. And so those are the things that I look at and I say, yeah, with where the bears are at, right. Flutes can be the guy moving forward, but there's still a lot he's got to improve on. And the biggest thing I think is just the in-game management of what all three phases are doing right in terms of giving more input into what the offense is doing not necessarily there's I think a fine line for coordinators and head coaches on the especially when they have like opposite football minds in terms of like philosophies and what needs to be done but overall I think for Flus like one area he needs to improve in is kind of getting more input into the offense because there were times where, again, it would be like third and one, third and two, and the Bears were driving down the field. And Luke Getzi would call three straight runs, and then, boom, the entire thing would just stall. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting conversation. Like, how much do you, you know, put Getzi and, you know, his play calling on Eberflus and his pros, or how much of that is just Getzi? I mean, ultimately, I think – you know, Eberflus kind of bears the brunt of it because it's his staff. He brought in Luke Getze, so, I mean, it's his guy, so to speak. Um, you know, I'll say this on Eberflus, and then we can kind of, you know, close out this conversation by grading both Poles and Eberflus here. Um, Eberflus, I, I think, you know, the positives for him were certainly, I think, you know, I think he got a lot out of this secondary, this back step in this year. I think he he maximized this group. They dealt with a lot of injuries. They 
Um, I, I think they're, you know, a decently talented secondary on paper, but it's not like they're, you know, the Legion of Boom or anything. But um, there were certainly a lot of games uh, this past year where you felt like he was getting the most out of these guys. And that's something he did at Indianapolis as well. I think he did a really nice job at, you know, maximizing, you know, back seven units that weren't the most talented and defenses in general that weren't the most talented. Now the, the front seven being as dismal as it was, especially in the back half of the year, after they traded Roquan, um, you know, that certainly played a role in why this defense just fell apart late in the year. I don't know how much of that is on Eberflus and how much of that is on Allen Williams or, or just the fact that they just don't have any talent. I think the only way we're able to judge, you know, Eberflus and Williams from that standpoint is getting them more talent on that side of the ball, especially in the trenches and seeing what they could do with it. Um, you know, the Bears had by far the worst pass rush in football this year. And that certainly, it's tough to just put together a competent, you know, plan of attack on defense if you can't get after the quarterback and you can't stop the run through a front four. So um, that's something they have to address in the offseason. I'm not sure how much of that is an Eberflus problem at this point or whether that's just, I don't know. Uh, but <clears throat> in terms of the offensive input, like, I mean, yeah, like clearly, you know, my my biggest fear of the Eberflus being hired in the first place was, you know, he's a defensive-minded guy. He's going to come with a bit more of a conservative mindset, and what that means is your offensive play calling is going to play it safe most of the time. And boy, we see that a lot this year where you know, Luke Getzey ran a very run heavy offense. They really built this team to be run heavy in, in many aspects. I mean, that was their plan all along was basically to run the ball a lot, you know, play good defense and try to squeak out, you know, close games here and try and stay competitive as much as they can, you know, with the lack of talent that they had, um, you know, whether that was a sound strategy or not, I mean, I, I disagree with that strategy, in my opinion, because it's not the best way to, you know, to develop a quarterback, uh, which was should have been their main goal. Um, but, you know, definitely not not a fan of the overall approach to the offense. I think they improved in some aspects with the run game. They had one of the most dynamic run games in football. How much of that is Luke Getze and this coaching staff, and how much is that is, like, Justin Fields just being this, you know, giant multiplier on the ground with his ability to run the ball. I mean, that, that certainly plays yeah, – there's probably a little bit of both that plays a role in that. But, you know, they're going to have to improve the passing game going forward. You know, how much of that is Eberflus going to play a role with that? I'm not sure. But, yeah, definitely, like, from a coaching standpoint, they have to be better at manufacturing a passing game. They need to get more talent in the in the wide receiver room and, and, the, and, the, and at the offensive line. Um, to make that happen as well. I mean, a lot of that goes back to like the chicken and egg standpoint. Are they not able to do these things because of a lack of talent or because, you know, the coaching is not able to maximize the talent that they have. I'm more inclined to say at this point that it's because of the lack of talent. They just don't have a lot of talent. They blew it up this year. Um, they, they were clearly rebuilding. Um, and, you know, as a result, I mean, you're going to sacrifice a lot of talent there. Um from that standpoint. Um, all right. So let's uh, kind of end this discussion here by grading both Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. Like let's uh, I'll start with you. You say, how would you grade both of these guys and what are, what's kind of your reasoning behind um, that? Yeah. For me, what I think it comes down to is this is I would kind of be a bit of a, much harsher grader and say that they both earn you know c pluses from me and and i say that specifically 
Because when you look at the way that Poles operated free agency, it was a lot of GM mistakes. He obviously traded down a lot in the 2022 NFL draft. And again, there were legit arguments to be made of why would you go ahead and invest in the um, secondary as great as Gordon and Brisker have been when it was clear that there were needs on offense that surfaced this year that the Bears were just not good enough to overcome. The pick of Valus Jones Jr., we know what it is at this point. A lot of those players on day three were pretty much just project players. And again, Braxton Jones, still very much a heavy project player. Okay. I look at Eberflus and, you know, I echo the same thing I said earlier. Okay. He's inspirational, has what it takes to be a great head coach. But the question is, you know, the in game management is completely atrocious and I thought the in-game management at the start of the season was about as bad as it got because there was the one situation where the Bears had like 30 seconds remaining or something and just refused to call a timeout but the other half of it I think is also the simple fact that you could have argued for polls right that he was in a situation himself where or I'm sorry for Eberflus, he was in a situation himself where a lot of what it was was just rookie head coach mistakes, but not having the talent to overcome it. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So, yeah, I'd say for me, looking at the way I grade both these guys, I'd say that um, Ryan Poles, I'm going to give him a C for this year. I think that, you know, like you said, there were, I think, some mistakes that he made as as a first-year GM. Like the Larry Ogunjobi signing, I think, is just – like it it was a bad signing at the time. I I think he's very fortunate that that signing didn't – go through. Uh, it's not that Okunjobi is a bad player, but I just felt like that was a bad value. It was the wrong move at the time for, you know, setting the foundation of their first major signing to being, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, you look at it and, you know, I feel like he's kicking himself for not making the Amari Cooper be more aggressive in the trade market for Amari Cooper, let's say, because, you know, that would have been a wide receiver one that they could, they could have brought in to really help Justin Fields and, and really, help his development and like the only reason why we're having conversations from some pundits about you know the Bears moving on from Justin Fields potentially and him maybe not developing much as a passer this year is in part because like he just 
outside of Darnell Mooney, just did not have a ton of talent to throw to this year. And that's reflected in like Cole Komet literally leaving the leading the Bears in like every receiving category in receptions, yards, and tight ends, and not even like that's not even a ton of production there from the tight ends. So it's it's yeah, they need to get better wide receiver. I felt like he missed the opportunity there to kind of make a big splash. Not a big splash, but I mean, Murray Cooper went for like a fifth round pick. Like, come on, you you're telling me you couldn't have done a little bit more to make you know an offer there? I I, I don't know. Um, so that, that kind of bugged me um, from that standpoint. You know, again, the lack of impact from free agency, I'm not too surprised with. I think they had the right approach of, you know, short deals, um, guys that they want to get in um, to see what they got, guys that want to get into established culture a little bit, guys that they're familiar with. Um, totally made a lot of sense from that aspect of things. Um, you know, besides some of the other gripes I had about maybe not investing more in the offensive line. Um, and then the draft, like, again, like, I, w- I wish they would have done more to address the offense to build around Justin Fields. And certainly there were players available that they could have picked to, you know, help him out a little bit. But I mean, when we're going to look back at it, at this draft, we're not going to complain with the fact that Grisker looks like he's going to be a solid starter for a long time. Jones looks like he has upside to be a starting left tackle for a long time. If he can develop as a pass protector, Gordon looks like he's flashed a bit and he looks like he can be a starter for um, this team moving forward and we'll have to see what what happens out of guys like Vils Jones and Dominic Robinson and, and you know Trenton Gill's probably gonna be a punter for a long time here so um, you know to get like three starters and a couple guys that may be contributors for you would be a, a, a solid first haul and, and especially when you look at the undrafted guys that they picked up like Jack Sanborn uh, Jalen Jones uh, kind of like a cornerback there kind of another guy to bring in there as a young guy like uh, they they did add some talent in the draft, and certainly that is exciting. They did that without a first round pick. So, you know, at the end of the day, like I, I can't fault him too much for that. I think he set this team up well to really um, hit the next offseason hard with free agency in the trade market. You know, with the draft, having more draft capital, having the number one overall pick, which I think was a goal. Uh, this team was to lose a lot of games, to be quite honest with you. And, you know, if you would have told me what would have been, what would have been the ideal season going into the year, I would have said that Justin Fields developing, getting better as a quarterback, and this team losing as many games as possible would have been my ideal season for this year. And it happened. So, I, I mean, whether he did that intentionally or, or accidentally, it, what it is what it is. But, um, you know, from a results standpoint, I, I can't complain too much with the outcome that we got there with what Ryan Poles delivered in his first year. Now can he build off of that and, you know, reduce some of his mistakes and, you know, make an impact in this next offseason? Time will only tell. But for the, not, for the time being, I think a C is, is probably fair. Um, we'll just have to see what he does with more resources next year. As for Eberflus, like, you know, I, I'll give him a C plus only because I think, he did maximize as much of this talent as he possibly could until kind of the dam broke near the end of the year. And they started to lose a lot of these games by, you know, large margins. Um, so you look at the Jets game, look at the, the, uh, the Bills game, look at the Lions game. Like this team clearly was, was checked out near the end of the year. They didn't really have anything left. Um, he, he got as much fight as he could out of this group, but there's just, there's not a lot of talent here. Um, the defense, you know, I, I thought they played well over the first half of the year, but they, they ran out of juice late. Um, and offensively, I'm not I'm not sold on Luke Getze, but um, again, that's his hire. But we'll just have to see how it plays out. Like, you know, some of the things that you expected to be better at, Eberflus, like 
This Bears team was more disciplined. I, I felt like they were they had fewer penalties than they did last year. I think they were one of the least penalized teams in the year in the league this past season. Um, they didn't really turn the ball over a ton. I, I don't think the turnover margin wasn't great for them. Um, but I mean, he, he did what I expected he was to do, which was to get this defense to overachieve a little bit, um, especially in the secondary. The pass rush wasn't great, but I mean, that's a lot of that is a talent issue. And then just being more disciplined as a team. You know, he wasn't as conservative as I thought he was from an in-game decision-making standpoint. I don't think he did anything glaringly bad this year or embarrassingly bad. I mean, there were a couple moments that were questionable here and there, but for his first year of the job, I can't complain too much from what Iberflus did. Again, he's in a tough situation with the talent, and I hope that they get more talent next year and we can kind of really evaluate what he is as a head coach. Um, so with that said, I mean – I, I can wrap it up for us here at the Picks for, for Picks for Polls podcast today. I, I guess last thing here um, in Bears news, the Bears hired Kevin Warren to be named as their new CEO and team president, um, which is kind of a big deal because Kevin Warren, I'm assuming, is going to be uh, kind of the big figure in getting the Bears a new stadium deal in Arlington Heights. So uh, we can touch on that real quick. You say, what are your thoughts on Kevin Warren being brought in here um, as the Bears, you know, basically top executive here. Originally, I was kind of wary when the report broke in mid-December that the Bears were going to go ahead and possibly hire Kevin Warren. But, you know, you do more research into his background. You realize, look, he expanded the Big Ten with the additions of UCLA as well as USC. He was instrumental in building the Minnesota Vikings stadium because he was in the Vikings front office as a COO for about 15 years. And again, all that sounds great. Now I'm still of the opinion that sure. Warren's a football guy. Well, he understands the business side of football for me, right? A solid kind of well-rounded organization. You could look at a team such as the Ravens, for example. I mean, they're the poster model, right? You had Ozzie Newsom there for so long. Now you've got, you know, guys that are getting GM interviews around the league and guys who quite frankly have the qualifications need to be present. I think that when you put someone in a position as high as Warren is, and that person understands business and has been around the NFL is great. But what would be even better is if he really understood kind of the way that modern football teams operate, because that's ultimately what the bears are, right? They are an organization who has tons of fans that's covered by the media because they have what a football team to offer, you know? So having that football knowledge, of the way things work so that Warren's on the same page as Ryan Poles is, I think what is going to be incredibly critical for the bears. I think that a lot of the other stuff, like I've been saying, and I had a conversation with someone today too, about this. I'm like, people don't realize this, right? They always want to talk about the bears need to get a new stadium. The tickets are too expensive, you know, Jersey sales, merchandise sales, all that, blah, 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 blah. This is a big fan base in the third biggest market in the country. People are going to tune in and watch anyway. So for the Bears, they don't need to go out of their way to spend big to put people in the seats and make money because the money's already being made for them. What would make the money come in even more and generate revenue automatically is if they actually put a good product out there on the field. You know, and again, the franchise just has not done that consistently a 10 to 15 year period in forever. Yeah, I'll say this on Warren. I'm not too familiar with him. I know he's the Big Ten commissioner um, over the past few years. His first year was actually the COVID year, which 
I mean, just impossible situation to kind of deal with there in the first few months on the job. But um, yeah, I mean, from my understanding of his background, he's been in the league for, he's been involved in the NFL for a long time. His last stop in the NFL, I think was with the Minnesota Vikings and he helped got their stadium done. And I mean, this Viking stadium is, is one of the best, if not the best stadium in, in all of football. Um, so, I mean, he, he played a huge role in that. Um, look at what he did in the business side of things for the Big Ten, you know, getting USC and UCLA, negotiating some of the TV deals that they just negotiated. So, I mean, Kevin Warren, clearly, you know, he's accomplished. He, he's considered to be a big-time force in the executive realm for on, on the business side of things um, in the NFL. Um, and I'll say this, like Brad Spiel, Spielberger of PFF, um, if you can follow him on Twitter at all throughout this process, like he has been like raving about Kevin Warren on Twitter throughout this process. Like he, he was all on board with the bears bringing him in. He thought that was a big hire. Um, you know, again, just go, go check out Brad. Like he has more expertise on this than, than either of us would. And if he's a fan of the hire, then I'm a fan of the hire. So uh, I'm going to trust him there and say that, you know, this is a good move for the bears. It gives them a little bit more legitimacy to the, to the uh, situation. And certainly when they're looking to get a new stadium deal for, or looking to build a new stadium in Arlington Heights and, you know, everything that's going to be involved with, you know, working out the deal there, like Kevin Warren, he seems like he's kind of the ideal fit to kind of bring in and, and see what he can do with that. So, and the fact that he's got a lot of NFL experience and knowledge certainly helps as well. And, you know, hopefully he's on the same page with Ryan Poles and, and everyone in the organization, which I'm sure he will be, but he's probably going to be more on the business side of things where Poles on more of the football side of things. But again, from that standpoint, like I, 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 I think he's, I think he's a good hire. I think he's a step up from what Ted Phillips was, was offering you is because Ted Phillips is basically just there because he's friends with the McCaskies. Um, so, I mean, it, it seems like a great hire and it seems like it gives them some legitimacy. So, um, I, I think overall it's positive for the bears and hopefully, um, it works out well going forward into the future here. Um, so with that, let's just wrap it up here for us here at, at the Pistol Polls podcast. Uh, make sure for all of our listeners out there to like rate, rank, and subscribe to us, um, and all podcasting platforms, especially on Spotify, um, and then, you know, for us, make sure to follow us on social media, especially with draft season coming up. We're going to be doing a lot more draft content on Twitter. So make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picture Polls as well. You say, where can our listeners follow you on social media and find your work? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. A lot of cool stuff going on this offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give you say a follow. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. You can find my work on the bear report as well. And, you know, with the offseason here, Bears fans, like buckle up because it it only gets crazier from here for us at the Pitch for Bulls podcast because we have a lot of draft content in store for you guys in terms of previewing the next upcoming draft class, uh, mock drafts, player profiles, scouting reports. Um, just storylines in general, all that stuff. The next big event coming up is the Senior Bowl, so definitely going to be giving you a lot of coverage for that when that comes up near the end of the month. Um, But until we get to that, Bears fans, uh, until next time, Bears fans, have yourself a healthy and safe weekend. Um, Have yourself a fun weekend as well. And until next time, bear down, enjoy the first weekend of NFL playoffs, and we'll see you next week. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com